0: Bridge After Hours. We are so excited. Season two. Mm, Season two. Episode four. Yeah, episode four. four. Oh my gosh! I'm sitting here with uh, my name's Brock. I'm sitting here with Mark and Josh, and Mm. we are so excited to uh, to be uh, with you. This this amazing. Can you believe we've done two seasons? We're
1: literally uh, what. A season and a half in. Yeah. Yeah. Season and a half in. You know, hopefully we're like wine. Hopefully we're just getting better uh, getting the older better at we this. get. Yeah. I don't know. You guys, I you, love it. You guys prefer red wine or white wine? I'm a red wine guy. Oh, yeah. The older I get, the
2: more I like red wine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think our taste buds start to uh, deteriorate as we get older <laughs> and the things that we used to hate, all of a sudden we're like, actually, sushi sounds good. Well, you know, when like sushi? I was oh, when I was uh 12, no, oh, I love sushi, but from college on, yes, you know, or like squash, oh, uh, yeah, you know, your vegetables when you're a kid and then you're yeah. older and you're like, dude, I just love vegetables.
1: That, that, that's me, I hated them when I was little and I love them now, yeah, so it's uh, you know, these things happen, but my wife still
0: prefers white and uh. I can't drink much white. It's just too sweet. It's, it's very, very sweet. sweet, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the Riesling, way too sweet for me. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, yeah, it's a dessert wine, and it, yeah, it's, it's sweet.
0: Dude, we were at the, our, we uh, you know, we belong to a, a little winery. Yeah, it's so posh. In Temecula. So posh. And uh, we drove down Monday, yesterday. It was sunny. You know, it's been raining a lot. Yeah. It was sunny. It was perfect, about 65 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. I just look at my wife. We're drinking wine. And uh, I'm like, let's just act like we're in Italy right now. We just (laughs) both close our eyes, take in a deep breath, and we open. And it was like, oh, like just the, it just was so nice. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. You got to go to
1: Temecula, guys. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Temecula is great. It's crazy to say that now because 10 15 years ago if you said that nothing people would think you're drunk if you said that
0: sure you've gone to Temecula one too many times
2: yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah
1: man, times are changing
2: they are, times changing. are changing do you ever go up to like Napa or Sonoma county n- like? i have n- i've never been there oh wow. you so like you napa's go. yeah that's yeah so you guys have gone yes
0: and it's been a while for me better you're saying that's that's mecca well,
2: it's,
1: for, for California vineyards, that's where you go. That's where you go. But the oh, thing is, not like, even California. Yeah, it's, Napa's probably number one in the country in okay. terms of wine. It's up there. But
0: oh, yeah. for, well. I mean, yeah. California's one worldwide mm-hmm. uh, wine
2: competition. It's just an experience. It's a it's a village. You know, it's a whole town. Mm, yep. It's not like oh, I'm just going to Temecula and going down this you know little area. It's it's the whole county that is wine country.
0: Have you guys seen that Keanu Reeves movie? called A Walk in the Cloud, and it's about a winery. Okay. No. This is your assignment. I know you're like Keanu Reeves, please, The Matrix.
1: I, I got something for you guys about Keanu Reeves. Watch
0: question. A Walk in the Cloud. Watch It eye is eye a great, <laughs> great movie. It,
1: it, it, Josh, watch it
0: with and it is a about, red glass of wine. And it is about uh, a winery in, in Napa, um, and it's awesome. Wow. You'll love it. A walk in the park. A walk in the clouds. In the clouds.
1: Uh, okay, two things. So if, if Temecula is a Lexus, I would say Napa is like a Ferrari. So just oh, a, so Lexus is good. No, right? no, no. Yeah, it's, as yeah. I'm saying, no, no. T- yeah, yeah, Temecula yeah, yeah. is good. So now, it's I mean, good. There, there are solid vineyards there, but Napa is like that. Then, check this out. A couple months ago, someone showed me a picture. Keanu Reeves yes. was in Chino Hills. Really? At a coffee shop? Not. Uh, Not even joking. What is
0: he doing?
1: I don't. I don't know what he was. I, I don't. I don't know. But he stopped and literally got a cup of coffee. He was on his
0: way to Temecula.
1: He stopped in Chino Hills.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> They're filming part two. Part two of the movies coming right, out. Right, That's
1: right. Why. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah, anyway, how about, uh, Keanu Reeves though, man, dude, down here in that's Chino. Sick. Come on, we're rapping, man. It's, it's not like, just the Ball Brothers I met, now. I met someone at
0: the winery, and they were like, "Where are you from?" And I, I said, uh, "Chino." He goes, "Oh, you're far away." And I was like, "Oh, where are you?" He said, "Riverside." I'm like, "What?"
1: <laughs> yeah, let's like, come on, dude. You're
0: right there. What are you talking about? Yeah.
1: Shame on him.
2: <laughs> All well, right, you
1: know, oh, you know what would be fun? This is the last thing, and then we'll we'll dig in if we if we recorded a podcast while we were out in a vineyard in Temecula
2: you are not down oh
1: stop it josh
2: can that is happening josh
1: can you make that happen i can take this anyway oh dude okay I, all right it's happening <laughs> we are doing this after hours to temecula at a vineyard we're
0: actually going to live into our name oh
1: Okay, so After there's that. Hours. We could, we I mean nobody follows us, but we could do like the whole like live audience thing too. Oh yes,
0: there'll be yeah. a,
2: a live Q and A crowds. Oh man, let's
0: do this! Come on,
2: all, all right. Taste test. By the way, that is still on our to do to do a live. A li- yeah, we we, we okay. So
1: people, for those watching, we did we did talk about that doing a live Q and A type of a thing. So. Like on a uh, like after church on a Sunday yeah. live podcast. Yeah. we almost did it. Something. Yeah, we happened. almost did it, and it just got too chaotic. But uh, maybe maybe we do that in, in Temecula. That's <laughs> <laughs> better, <laughs> definitely better. Who will come out the, and drive to see us? But
0: that's where we should have our Easter service. Ooh, on a,
1: at a winery in
2: Temecula. <laughs> this has gone too far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: this is out of hand. <laughs> All right, so we are episode four. God at war, and here's what we're talking about. We want to talk about the three enemies, Mm. the three enemies. So far in this series, we've purposely just talked about one, and and he is the main enemy, but there's also kind of a second and a third. So you have the devil or Satan or adversary, many titles for him. The second and third are this, the world and the flesh. And this is actually uh, going back to kind of the early church and kind of like some ancient monastics, they actually came up with this and called this the false trinity. Mm. So we have father, son, Holy spirit. That is who our God is. It's who we worship. And then kind of the opposite of that in some ways would be the Satan, the world and the flesh. And the
0: scriptures literally do call the Satan, the Satan. Yeah. Not well, Satan.
1: You're the right. Satan. Yeah. A lot of people don't know it. So what Brock's getting out there is uh, in the Hebrew, the Satan, Ha Satan actually, I think mm-hmm. officially, yeah, it's uh, we treat it as a proper name, but it's actually not. Right. So, um, yeah, it's not like Mark or Brock or Josh. It's it would be uh, like the enemy, the adversary, the Satan. Right. So, yeah. Great point. There you go, man. All right. So, let's talk about this. How let's does this talk about how does this, this uh, interplay these three uh,
0: enemies? Yep. Um, Satan working through the other two. Yep. Um, So uh, explain it to us, Mark. So
1: first, I'm just going to read a passage. Everything we do is is rooted in scripture. So uh, this is most clearly seen in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. So Paul writes this. um, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed, and here's the first one, the ways of this world. Boom. So ways of this world, and here's the second. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit uh, who is now at work and those who are disobedient. And then here's the third one. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh Mm. and following its desires and thoughts. Dude. So right there, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, you got Satan, you got the world, and then you got your flesh.
0: Dude, the cravings, gratifying yeah, the cravings so
1: of our flesh. Oh my gosh. All right. So we're going to focus on the world and the flesh because we've we've spent all of this series talking about Satan. So what do we mean? What does Paul mean when he says the world and the flesh? Because uh, here's how not to take those things. What we're not saying is that the world is bad or that like physical flesh is bad. Uh, that would be like Gnostic, right? So exactly. if, you, if you listen to our revelation thing, I mean, the whole, whole way that revelation ends is that heaven comes to earth and God redeems this physical world. Right. So we're not saying go put yourself in a Christian bubble, isolate from the world and that your physical flesh is bad, not what's going on. So what is going on? Uh, Brock, could you just take a stab? What do you think Paul means by gratifying the desires of our flesh?
0: Yeah, I think that um if you were to look at it more in a nuanced way, God made our bodies and what did he say? It is good. Mm-hmm. At the fall, um when we joined God's enemy, something happened within us mm-hmm. that um in that line where every morning when I wake up, I can um, uh, kind of live two ways. My I can my body can be a, viewed and lived out as a temple of the Holy Spirit, or I can go the other way, which is more the way of death, not life. And I'm giving in to the cravings of um, my own
1: sinful inclinations. Yeah. I think, yeah, so cravings and a sinful inclination. I think, perfect. I think that's exactly what Paul's getting at. It's almost like, uh, maybe another word is like desires. Mm-hmm. And so our desires for good things then become twisted, uh, disordered. Um, perverted. Perverted. And so yeah. every single human, what Paul means by flesh is kind of your natural desires that bubble up within you. And then as Brock said, you can do one of two things with those. So those desires and can be used to house the presence of God or they can be used to then that, in a way that leads to death and decay.
0: And I think that's super important. When Like when you said, it's vital that we not look at flesh as evil, mm-hmm. our bodies as evil, mm-hmm. but it can be.
1: Yep. We, we can so turn them into evil. You can go yep. that way. Totally. Right. Or they can be used for beauty Beautiful and majestic and good things. Holy things. So when we say mm-hmm. flesh, when Paul says flesh, he's talking about desires that you have within yourself. That are not holy. That are not holy. And that end up enslaving you. Mm. And, and um, it's almost like an animal that has an appetite. They can only go with their instinct and follow their appetite. Like they don't, um, an animal doesn't have the ability to have like a conscious where they're like, oh, let me do a good thing. They're just following their instinct. Mm. So so what do you mean by flesh? Let's unpack the third one and then we'll put all this together. So the world, the world. I think what Paul's getting at there is understanding that uh, large groups or like institutions, uh, maybe a better word for all that is culture. So like every organization, every group has a culture. So there's American culture. And whenever a system develops, it takes on its own life. So um, every church has a culture. Every business has a culture. Every sports team has a culture. And what happens is when groups organize, they take on a life of their own, which is bigger, than like the individual sum of their parts. I don't know if that makes sense or not. And so when Paul says world, don't follow the ways of this world, I think he's kind of just saying like, don't let the prevailing thoughts of the time, of the culture. And you can think of it maybe like godless. Yeah, godless. So you have a
0: godly culture. Yep. Yep. A godly world. Yep. A
1: godless culture, a godless world. Yeah. Yeah. So there so we have Satan, so this powerful evil cosmic being who's got then a bunch of demons like minions with him. We have our own individual desires inside of us. And then thirdly, and they all fit together, then you have the world which is like group systemic cultural desires. Ways that lead as Jesus yeah. says to death, not life. Yep. Yep. So scripturally speaking. And they all have crossover. Y- exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like one of those, uh, is it like a Venn diagrams where like the, 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 totally. the, the circles. Yep. yep. Yeah. So they all three form together and in the middle is kind of like the heart of sin, if you will. And I think it's important to point out, A, because it's in the Bible, but then B, this helps, I think, because sometimes you get those people who are like, oh, the devil made me do this. Well, no, maybe your flesh did. Mm-hmm. Like, or if you're in a toxic environment, that's going to influence you. It could not be Satan; it could just be the culture of the group that you're in. Right. So, I and think then on
0: the other hand, yep the uh, the Satan can see the vulnerability of that world, mm-hmm. that culture, mm-hmm. the vulnerability of your flesh, and try to then capitalize on that. Boom. Yep. So there's the Venn
2: diagram. Yeah, and I, I think it's super important that we're talking about this because I think it's even for a quote unquote uh, homegrown Christian, like bred in in the faith, that's a very hard thing to distinguish and mm, to, to tell very part, hard because most people just go to blame. Yes. Oh, that the devil is is tempting you. It's like no, yeah. dude. Yep, it's you, bro. That's inside of you too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, absolutely, and 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 that that's why we did a whole. Uh, we did a whole Sunday on this topic Um, and why we want to bring it up here because this has to be talked about in this series is not just Satan. So Brock, let's go to, I think where where you said, because I think this is where all this leads is Satan is so smart. I, I actually think we underestimate him in a sense and he will take the world and our own desires, our flesh, And he uses that to kind of like slightly twist, distort. And that is what gets us. So what we wanna talk about now to bring all this together is the main uh, weapon, if you will, the main tactic um, that gets us. And we would say, the scripture says that it's lies and deception. Mm. So you go to Genesis three, what does Satan do? Well. No, God didn't really say that. Subtle. Exactly. Like a little truth. A little truth. To make it confusing. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like it's usually like 90% true with 10% lie. Right. Um, and then you go all the way in the New Testament and you, we literally read verses where it talks about Satan is the father of lies. And John, Jesus says, he actually says it's his native tongue, which is really interesting to think about. mm You know, that
0: reminds me of a Seinfeld episode. Oh, boy. You know, every book I've written has a Seinfeld reference. Yeah, I know. You're impressed, Josh. Okay. I like Seinfeld. So that's cool. All right. So George is an amazing liar. George Costanza. Jerry is getting ready to go on a lie detector test. And he asked George, dude, how do I pass the lie detector test? And George is like, Jerry, I can't help you. Like, you don't have the gift of lie. Like, I don't think, but he says, but do know this. It's not a lie if you believe it. And Jerry's like, oh, my gosh, that's brilliant.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brock. Can you name? I have two of Brock's. I'm holding two of Brock's books right now. I have Beautiful Rebellion and Youth Ministry 2027. Uh huh. What are What are the Seinfeld episodes? Dude, I don't know. That. Oh, dude, I don't know. You could have just lied to us. No, it's true, but I didn't. He does believe it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not a lie <laughs> if you believe it. That's good. That, that's a that'll preach, dude. It's not that's a, a lie if you believe it. Oh so, my gosh! All right, that's how you get into trouble, right there. So. Jesus is clear, Satan, father of lies. Lies are his native tongue. That is his main weapon in how he uses the world and our flesh to get us to rebel against God. I want us now to spend the rest of this time. This this is so practical. What are the lies, the deception that you guys think that are in Satan, the world and our flesh today that we believe? I think, that, I think that
0: there might be some listeners who are struggling right now. There's always seasons where each one of us will really struggle. And in those seasons, so like if you're struggling right now, the enemy could come, the Satan could come and convince you with a lie that things will never be different than they are right now. Despair. Despair. It is a huge, like, or it could be like, I'm never gonna change, Mm -hmm. or this situation will never change. Um, Our marriage will never get better. Mm -hmm. That lie of despair and hopelessness and stuck, it keeps you so stuck. Like things will never get better. Mm -hmm. It will always be like this. Teenagers are so vulnerable to this lie.
2: Hmm.
0: It's never going to get better. I'll never uh, be good at that. I'll, whatever it is. And that is a huge lie that the enemy does and it keeps us um, from, like if you live into your true identity, I remember Kelsey would, and I would go through really hard times and she would. I would be like, it's going to be like, I would have, always have so much hope. Mm-hmm. And she was raised very different than me. Like she never really heard regularly that she was uh, loved and adored Mm. and beloved. Mm. I heard every day. I knew I was my parents' favorite. (laughs) 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 Like I just, I was the apple in my parents' eyes. What do your siblings think of that? They would say like, Prox the favorite. I'd be like, (laughs) Yeah. Now, (laughs) so like I always just knew I'm God's favorite. I would look at Kelsey and go, Kelsey, We're God's favorite. This is going to work out. How could you believe this? I just knew that God, I know God loves me. I'm his favorite. Mm. And I know that even though we're in the middle of this really hard thing, I'm not going to believe the lie. Kelsey, don't believe the lie that it's not going to turn out. It's Mm. going to turn out. And when you live in the truth that you are the one that God adores, that he has a plan for you, it will work out. Versus the lie that says nope, things will never get better,
1: dude. Right? Toy, that's so good. And and what's so practical about this is not even identifying. It's first identifying the lie, but then replacing that lie mm. with God's truth. Exactly. Right. What we would say is the gospel. That I mean, and that that's just where the transformation happens, dude. Come all on. Right. So first one, despair. What are some others? Um, I got another one
0: go identity uh questions of identity mm-hmm. now i'm I'm talking about um especially young people, but the lie can come and say, base your identity on anything other than you're the one loved by God mm. so your identity is who you're attracted to. your identity right. could be your gender right your identity could be your finances your success. Right. That's who I am. Or it could go the other way. You are your failure. You right. are your weakest part. That's who you are. You really are that addict. Well, wow. so it could it could go in so many directions, but it doesn't matter. The enemy is going to tell you believe anything other than you're the one that God delights in. Right. That he is fond of. That he Loves and adores and he is going to lead you to this incredible life, everlasting life, life mm-hmm. to the fullest, yep. a blessed life, a life with his presence. <laughs> like he loves you so much, he can't stand to be away from you. Mm. That's who you are. And so don't believe anything other than that. That's a, that's a huge lie. No, huge. Like Josh, you are your trumpet ability, playing ability. But what happens if you lose
2: that ability? Do you lose yourself? Yeah. And I've I've gone down holes right. over the last 15, 20 years for that very same reason. There was one day that I woke up, uh, I taught a lesson in the morning uh, to a student, and then I showed up to rehearsal, felt really great, and then all of a sudden I couldn't play. Mm. Like my, my neck kind of expanded, and I, it was a whole scare that I had. But in that moment... And for those few weeks following that, I was like, am, what am I?
0: It's like an identity crisis. Who am I? Like, yes. what do I
2: do? Like, I, you know, and fast forward, I'm here now with you guys, like doing this stuff. I would have never imagined that mm. years ago because I'm like, back then, I was like, this is the only thing that I am. Yes. But it's so limiting. It's so limiting, you know, and so mm. now I've expanded my horizon not necessarily because I'm a trumpet player, but because those principles that were instilled in me, like transpired everything else that I do. And it's just, it's taken me, and I'm still in it right now, you know, but it's taken me a long time to understand that and be okay with it. And, it, and so even these good things, like your
0: natural ability, maybe your desire to um, practice work hard at at this, you're an excellent musician when you make something good in your life, the center, mm-hmm. that's when, it, if that thing is lost, dude, it's over. Totally. Like mm-hmm. you are falling apart. And so we, keep, we can't take these good things, these God given good things and make them Ultimate. our center. Yep. Yeah. Like the yep. center is the fact that you are a child of God. That's the center. That's who you are. His DNA runs through your Mm -hmm. veins. His spirit indwells you. This is what we live out of. Mm -hmm. So no matter what storm comes my way, you look at like uh, Louis Armstrong. At the end of his career, he couldn't play the trumpet very well because he had such damaged his Mm -hmm. lips. I'm sure you know this better than- every trumpet player. (laughs) Right, so damaged lips. And so he's having a hard time hitting those certain notes because of- uh, how thin his lips became. And you, uh, is, that, is, is that who he is? No, he's more than that.
2: Right. But in that, when you get stuck in that moment though, when that's happening to you right then, it's- you. Oh, it's crisis. I, I, I bet everything that I have that you're, you're going to forget that every time oh, when you're in gosh. that battle. Yes. So if you're an athlete,
0: dude, if you're a pastor- Oh, yeah. And your only your identity is based on uh, your last sermon. Was it a win? Nope. <laughs> no, you're toast, dude. You're toast. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, okay. a Couple things. Oh, one.
2: No, no. no. Go ahead. You go said another lie is material wealth.
1: Okay. Let's come back to that one, Josh. Okay. That, that, but, that's that's good. We, we got to spend like seven minutes on that thing. Got it. <laughs> Real quick. Uh, as you two were talking, you guys are dropping some gold. There's a, so if you're listening to this and you're at all like oh my gosh I want to hear more you need to go read a book called Counterfeit Idols by Tim Keller. Mm. He talks about just exactly what Josh and Brock just talked about in terms of uh, taking a good thing and making it an ultimate thing. Yeah, and the damage that that does. And that's to us. the
0: subtle lie we're talking. Yes,
1: don't forget we're
0: talking yeah, about. That this lies. is where I was going next.
1: Yeah, so it's funny I was just listening to Josh talk about his trumpet identity thing, and I don't even think he did this on purpose but he used the word battle in it. He was like, oh, it's a battle too. And so this is exactly where this all connects. This is warfare. Mm. We don't think of it that way, but because it's so sly, but this is exactly spiritual warfare in that these are lies and deceptions that Satan uses the world and our flesh to twist and distort. And is waging war on our, soar, on our uh, souls and we don't even realize it. Right, And that's how crazy it is. Mm. All right, Josh. So you just dropped the third one. So we got despair, identity, and now materialism and wealth. The scriptures call that, oh man, um,
0: the God of, um, what's the? Oh, um, yes,
1: uh it's yeah, it's Hebrews Aramaic. Uh, um, Jesus says it. I want to say manna, but it's not manna. It's not it's not manna. It, it's it's uh, 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 but
0: it sounds like that. Crap.
1: Josh, right. Google it. Google
0: it. Yep. But it it's important. Oh, it almost it, just it, came to me. It's important because the uh, scriptures use this uses this phrase for a reason, and um, it's the idea of material wealth becoming our our center, our God, instead of God. And so he call, literally calls it the God of, and it's rhymes with manna. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you guys got it? I'm trying to find it right now. Um, so yeah, and this actually goes back to what we ended the previous episode, episode three about. And <clears throat> we as Americans, so Josh, I... Well, all three of these are huge in America. I think the materialism one and the wealth is a huge one for us. And I've always thought that, like theoretically. But then I just went to Kenya and I, I saw it in person. Like for the first time in my life, I saw a huge difference between American Western culture and then like a third world. And I was in Kenya. Mammon. Mammon. Oh, Manna, mammon. Dude, that was tough. Mammon. Yeah. So for the first time in my life, I realized because I saw it and because like, I was smelling it, seeing it, touching it. I'm in the slums in Nairobi. Mm. And for the first time in my life, I actually understood the grip and the lie that materialism has on America. Oh, dude, you have to... Like you every person should should go there, yeah, oh, and it, it's interesting, as we talk about this, it really gets to like the world aspect. So like our culture, our world in America, values and assumes money, wealth, and then everything attached to it. So I would say it's almost like a thing of being comfortable. So like the lie we believe is that we can only be happy if we're comfortable with all these things and possessions.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Dude, it's such a trap for every single oh, one of us. It's the air we breathe and the water we swim in. And we, we're like a fish in a water. We don't even know the water that we're swimming in because that's all that we see. And dude, it was, it was just, it was paralyzing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so obvious that it's a lie because all these people who have nothing have way more joy than I do. If, 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 that's, the, if that's the goal, do you want joy?
0: Or do you want wealth? Right. Because um, Jesus named it. It's very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Toy. Because that mo- he doesn't own his money, his money owns him. Jim yep. Carrey reminds me of Jim Carrey, the uh, great comedian. And I just love him. Oh, come on, make more movies, Jim. He hasn't done anything lately. No, he's just tired of it. But he's, his famous quote is, every single person should become rich and famous so that they can know f- for certain that it leads to emptiness. Wow, I've never heard that before. Every person should uh, experience fame and wealth because then they'll know that is
1: not what you build your life on, it is empty. Oh, that's a great, great quote. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's funny. I think people sometimes take Jesus's words because he talked a lot about money as kind of like anti-money. And then if you understand it, especially with the quote that you just gave, Brock, it's not that he's anti-money, he's actually for your soul. And he's saying that in the end, those things don't give you life. And so the lie that we believe in America is that if we have more things, we will be happier.
0: Mm. And we all, dude, how many times do we have to buy that thing that we really want? Totally. Only two months later to realize uh, we want, now we want something different.
1: <laughs> well, okay, here, here's a good example. I just thought of this. You know who I think has played into this masterful lie on like a marketing level? I mean, in some sense, actually all of marketing is this. But man, Apple, so like every oh, fall, yeah. right? Releasing a new iPhone. How many people every September then have to get the new iPhone because it's new and that it just came out? And the joke is always like they barely make any tweaks to the phone. So they're always a little bit faster, a little bit more storage, camera's a little bit better. And there's always a couple of little things, but it's basically the same phone. It is. But there's the pull to get it because it's new. That's right. My dad,
0: when he was a young man, owned his own electrical business in Seattle, was very successful, making a lot of money. And every year he would buy the new Corvette that came out. Every
1: year. Oh, I got to get the new one.
0: Why?
1: Did he sent? did he replace his old one with it? Yeah, he would okay.
0: take his old one, trade it in. Yep. All right, go, give me the new one. I want the new one. And he did that for, I think like four or five years. Huh. And uh, it just, he was like, this is killing me. Like, first of all, it, it adds up because now you're paying for, you didn't finish paying off the first one. Right. And, uh, you know, so that adds up and then uh but then you're just like, he eventually uh went into ministry and um gave it all away, but uh joy versus wealth
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, our money can own us, man
1: oh, big time,
0: and then the lie i have i, I can tell you the, mm-hmm. how the lie has impacted me because I haven't chosen a life um of wealth i've uh even just staying in youth work versus becoming a head pastor at a church. Mm -hmm. I've had plenty of opportunities to become a head pastor at a church and I've stayed in my calling, my lane, and that's been for great sacrifice. So I haven't really chosen a career path that will um, lead to money, but here's where the fear of, of the lie comes because there's most of my life, I haven't had retirement as part of my Job. They give the lead pastor retirement. They don't give the youth pastor retirement. So I've had this overwhelming like fear of, am I? Are we going to be suffering when we're in our seventies and Mm eighties because of that? Mm -hmm. And the Kenyans aren't worried about retirement. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they there is no retirement. You know, it's uh, so God help my perspective. I've given my life to this to you and it doesn't mean I'm uh, lax in my responsibilities to my family. So I have to be thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I have to be wise with money. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's wisdom, but we can't let our the fear and the lie and the, the, uh, the money to own us um, and we base everything on it. Um, yeah, that's a huge lie that the enemy
2: uses. Big time any others I it's just my mind goes down a a weird path sometimes but I was just thinking about this the other day it's so fascinating to me um, that it's I mean to be quite honest it's, it's very stressful you know like thinking about money you know in terms of just like the ability to do things like you know I have been to Kenya but I can only imagine actually I can't imagine that's a thing <laughs> I can't imagine what it's like, but you know, you, you think of something as simple as like, cause I was just thinking about this the other day. I was like, if I wanted to like stop what I'm doing, right. And like not make any money. Like, what would that look like? Like, you know, like, Oh, I want to go somewhere. Oh, it costs money. Like even, you know, I want to take the bus. It's like, Oh, that's a dollar, whatever it is. You know, it's like that cost something. And I'm like, man, the, the added stress, on top of all this social um, view of materialism, like it it adds up. It's like a drill to the brain. It's like man. a drill to the brain. Josh, your
1: ability to on the spot talk and add in sound effects
2: <laughs> is unmatched. My my drill sounds are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So we
1: we do have another d- another day of uh, drilling in the bridge backstage area. So. Yeah. But Josh is very talented, though what he does.
2: But yeah, it's just fa- it's fascinating to me. Um, it, it, kind of a tangent, but but also just thinking about like the excuse is more of like the excuse of like, well, I have to
1: because
2: mm. if not, how am I going to survive? You know. So it's like I feel like it's just this constant circle of always the the added stress of society and then the added stress of like having to always think about it. Because it everything costs something. You know, also is is just a hard thing to you know, when you sit down and think about it, you're like, man, this is this is tough.
0: Mm. No, it is tough. Life and is it's tough. it's easy to um, let that become your center. Again, exactly. back to it being your center versus living a life of peace. You're working hard, you're doing we you know, you, you go to work every day, but you're not living in fear. Or in like that is, uh, that's my, like success. That's my understanding and view of what success is. Yeah. is gathering possessions, gathering real estate, gathering money. Um, and not that there's anything wrong. Again, yeah. money isn't evil. It, it's taking the good and making it the center.
2: Was this? This is all the Hebrews, right? Where they discuss um, like wealth. Like wealth is a is a gift from God you know mm. but also it's like there's also the fear that it it's going to consume you it's going to become your idol right
1: yeah i mean to me this is exactly what we're talking about so like money in and of itself is is a good thing yeah like because you can build the kingdom with it y- yes. exactly. you can do amazing things exactly. with it yeah and there are people who've done that but then a good thing can be twisted and used against yes. us yeah i mean that's exactly what the lie is now the,
2: the the real question to me that i that i think about is like at what point is it too far like at what point did you make too much money at what point did you do you have too much stuff your your own like let's say i did have the money to afford a new iphone every time it came out mm-hmm. you know and i my technology my technological brain is into that kind of stuff you know like because that's the other end where it's like i can see someone being like am am i wrong then at this point for being into hoarding? This stuff Ho- yeah like like hoarding like at what point is it too far cuz that's the, the the other part to this where like some people um including myself but some people that might be listening are struggling with like okay like things are great you know i'm not like i'm i'm great with my money i'm whatever it is but at, at what point is it too far you know, and is that a subjective thing?
0: I think it is, and I think that's the nuance of the topic. Is um, it's it's not black and white. When does this thing start to
1: own you? And it's different for each one of us. Yeah, I, I think exactly. I, I think that I think the question is when does it start to own you? And then that makes us ask, okay, what are questions that we can ask ourselves to figure exactly. out if it's owning us? Yes, so I right. think. So it is different for each person. I think there are guiding questions, though. So two come to my head. One could be: What if I don't buy this new iPhone? What will it do to me? Yeah. Meaning, do you have to buy it?
2: Yeah. Mm.
1: Because if you have to buy it, then I think that's the sign that you have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. So there's one question. The other question I would say is: How does this purchase advance God's kingdom? I mean, just straight up. Yeah. So, um, or maybe even, if I'm just, these are all, I'm just maybe. these up my And that could be God's kingdom own.
0: in my home. Yeah, totally. God's kingdom in my life. Yeah. God's kingdom in my community. Yeah. So you can think of it, um, how will this build into my family? Yeah. How will this build uh, joy, you know, and presence in my life? So you can, you you know, you can de-spiritualize that question in a way that is really practical and has skin. Yeah. Like, um, I have another lie though, but finish
1: your, your thought. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I mean, I think, it, so it is subjective and, and then it, it's also not though in, in terms of asking those guiding questions. And so if you think adding an iPhone to your family will help you better disciple your kid or get to know your neighbor, then go get the iPhone.
0: Yeah, I have to say this though. When someone has the Android and you're, oh in, a, you're, in, a text, you're in a text group- and it somehow divides it. the text into like multiple texts. That's the only time you should feel bad. You about, should feel yeah. shame over that. Yeah. Absolutely. So come on, Android people. I do have a, a, a another lie. and I call it the somebody else lie. Um, so like you're at um, church and the pastor is like, man, God wants to do something amazing. He wants to use you. Come down front. We want to pray for you. And you're sitting there going, that's not for me. That's for somebody else. That's good. It's the it's the uh it reminds me of Peter. So um Simon Barjona is his name in the uh New Testament before Jesus changes his name to Peter. And Simon is a fisherman and Jesus uh does this cool miracle where he says, "Hey Simon, take your net and put it on the other side of the boat." And you uh and Simon's like, "Dude, we've been fishing all night." Like <laughs> Really? And Jesus is like, yeah, just put the net on the other side of the boat. Simon's like, this is the stupidest thing, but since you're a rabbi, all right. Puts it on the other side of the boat. They catch so much fish that his boat starts almost to sink. They get to shore and Jesus walks up to him and says, Simon, follow me. And Simon falls onto his knees and says, get away from me. I am a sinful man. And Jesus goes, no follow me like literally Simon is going I, this is for somebody else <laughs> this, is, mm. this is like you, you don't know me I'm a mess like I'm too far gone so that is not for me that's for somebody you don't know me and that's again you can call it the lie of, lie of guilt the lie of shame like I'm mm. too far gone like God could never use me. God, like uh, prayer won't work for me. Uh, like, uh, so if Sunday morning you, you come and people are like, hey, come down front. We want to pray for you. No, it won't work for me. Like what, the lie of hopelessness, the lie of guilt, shame. It's not me. Like I can't, God could never do something in my life. And that lie is so pervasive. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And it robs from so many of us in so many different ways.
1: It makes me, as you're saying that, I think our world, our culture, is a is an age of cynicism. Mm. And so, yeah, no, that won't happen. Nah, that could never happen. It's cynicism. Not for me. Yeah, like we're, yeah. we're jaded and hardened.
2: Um. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good word. I mean, well, in this context, like jaded, it's a, we're, a jaded mm-hmm. we're jaded society. By, we're jaded by this culture that we've created of like, ah, uh, it's just whatever. Yep. Yeah, and even even some of
0: it is lived experience and just doing the math. For example, come down front and get fra- prayed for for something you've come down to get prayed for a hundred times. Right.
2: And yep. it's still there. Yeah, that's. I think it's funny. You think about, or I think about it, when when you're talking about like, you know, somebody is, you know, the pastor's like, hey, somebody, somebody out here has uh, has hip pain and can't walk, you know, and you're like, you know, that's you, you know, but you're like, ah, uh, it's it's not going to go away. Yeah, it's just going to. I've been here. I've, I've been down that road yeah, before. It hurts every day. You yeah, know, it hurts every day. I'll be fine. And it's like. No, that, that was for you. Mm-hmm. So I-, I That was am, for sure for me on I, Sunday.
0: I'm living with extreme back pain right now. My left leg is um, kind of, you know, when your uh, leg falls asleep or your arm or whatever, and there's pin needles all over. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how my left leg feels 24 hours a day. It's, it's pretty awful. Mm. Um, but I've had chronic back problems and five- about five years ago, I brought a lady to our youth leader meeting. And I said, I want you, she's an expert at uh, praying. Like she's uh, insane at teaching about prayer. And she just has this amazing connection with God. And she's incredible. Can you come teach us how to pray for students? And uh, in particular healing prayer, can you teach us uh, how to do healing prayer? So she does this te- this teaching and then she goes, "Brock, can you come up front? I heard you you're struggling with a a back problem." And let's just pray and I want to show them how to do healing prayer. And I'm like, "Oh crap." Like I've had chronic back problems. I've had pe- you if you if you're going to call me up front, you're going to show them how not to do this. <laughs> so I but I I feel peer pressure so I go up front and she puts her hand on my lower back and she just kind of explains. So what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna ask Jesus to uh, to uh, heal Brock's back right now. And everyone, there's probably a hundred volunteers in this room and they're just watching this. And she goes, oh Jesus, right now I just pray healing and wholeness over Brock's back. And she goes, how, how are you feeling? Do you feel anything? And I go, no. Well, I don't think so. She's like, well, let's let's go again. And she goes, and now she speaks to my back. She goes, back, we thank you for carrying Brock all these years. You've worked hard. We thank you. And Lord, we just pray that you would touch this back right now and heal it. (laughs) Brock, do you feel anything? I'm not joking. All of a sudden I feel release. I'm like, hmm. She goes, "Let's go one more time." She prays a third time. How are you feeling? Can you touch your toes? I hadn't been able to touch my toes for a year. I touched my toes, no pain. And that healing lasted for probably three years. Wow. And uh, I re-injured myself here. it it. I had no. Here's the weird thing. I had no belief. Sure. And this is the mystery of, I think there's so, such beauty in a child asking their father. Yeah. And, be, and Jesus said, um, if you uh, just keep knocking. Mm. Persistence. Mm-hmm. The child, daddy, 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 daddy. Daddy, if you have a young kid, this, they'll say yep. this, they'll, they will not stop till you yep. give them attention. Daddy, daddy, daddy. There, there's, just, there's just something beautiful about that naivety of a child knowing their father loves them mm. and just is persistent. In the, in the somebody else lie, oh, he loves someone else more than he loves me, or I've gone too yeah. far, or I've messed up. Yep. The lie of guilt, the lie of shame. That's not me. I'm too I'm too far gone. Whatever it is, or for whatever reason, God's just not going to heal me. And we settle in that. Yep. It's just not going to happen. And that lie can
1: kill us, man. Wow. It just makes me think how many times we miss out on receiving a gift mm. because we don't even have our hands open to receive it.
0: Yes. We've given up.
1: Right. That lie is
0: already taking from us.
1: Yeah. Mm. That's great, man. Yeah. What a story. I actually hadn't heard that story from you before. It's yeah. good. My next thought is like, let's bring this lady to our church. Dude. <laughs> she would come in a heartbeat and she is amazing. Wow. Um, okay. I thought of one more. It's certainly a quick turn from what you just shared. Uh but is the lie of sexual fulfillment. Mm. I think American culture deifies sex. Yes. Yeah. And in some ways, I think it's the best example of taking a God created sex, God's pro sex, but twisting a little bit of it
2: in oh so many gosh. different ways right i mean yes. th- we could
1: from from porn to i mean there's just so many we, the list goes on here um uh, but i think sex is a really good example of a god-given thing that then is mm. twisted and then like i think the lies we believe uh i mean it's so cliche but i mean it's just statistically prevalent is that like porn will make you happy yeah and the lie is actually, and we know this now neurologically. Uh, there's been so many studies in the last five to seven years on this. Porn will change your brain neurologically. And yep. it will actually negatively affect your ability to have a good sex life in the future.
0: No, it, it mm-hmm. completely
1: does. Like the science, it's in. Yeah, it's actually very black and white. And
0: now. like um, young men are having a hard time um, fulfilling their partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- women who are addicted mm-hmm. are having a hard time climaxing. Mm-hmm. It's having massive impact. Do you like that word climax? <laughs> we just went PG-13. And so you, it's having profound impact among uh, among young adults and adults of all ages and uh, young people are getting uh, more and more into it, but let's, let's move, uh, back. I, I want, I had a thought not about porn, but, um, this idea that, uh, um, when sex becomes a about God. me, oh, yeah, self-fulfillment, self-fulfillment, Absolutely. um, you just have ruined it. Yep. And it's, um, the F word means for unlawful. That's the U. C, carnal, okay, knowledge. For unlawful carnal knowledge. That's what the F word actually means, for unlawful carnal knowledge. All right, let
1: let me just say at the very beginning here, I I never knew the podcast was going this direction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is really important. (laughs) That's good.
0: And there's a difference between carnal, which is like flesh, Mm -hmm. uh, knowing someone carnally in an Mm -hmm. unlawful way. Um, You have not died to yourself you have not committed your life to that person for unlawful carnal knowledge um, versus lovemaking. It is, it's not even, it's like, uh, it's not even the same, it's not the same thing at all. Right. And man, this is a lie that is robbed from marriages. You look at infidelity, it's through the roof. Um, you we start believing it at a young age because of the, dude, there, I was watching a little girl. She is the cutest little girl in our church. Oh my gosh. And she's on her mom's phone and she's playing this video game on her phone. And I look and here, this is the video game. There are two, there's a guy and a girl and she pushes the button and they start smooching. And these hearts bubble up from them and they're smooching. Behind them is, I guess it's like the one of their father's I'm guessing it's the female's father. And when the father turns and looks at the couple, she has to not push the button and they're not kissing. When the father turns away and is looking somewhere else, then she gets the points and they start smooching and making out. This little girl, I'm guessing is three years old. And I just thought this is- I really hope
1: you're not talking about my daughter right now.
0: It's a little, this little girl is a little (laughs) older than your daughter. And I'm just like, we are training- in the deification of this romantic thing. Wow. And training that it's and it's and it's awesome be, because it's uh it's unlawful. As soon as my dad turns his back, we will do this and it will be so awesome. And I just thought, "Oh my gosh, the training of this lie starts so young. And then you wonder why there's unfulfillment in marriages, in sex lives. They've uh, taken something and uh, made it the center, uh, made it about themselves and not the fulfillment of someone else. Anyway, this this is a podcast, this is a series of podcasts, but there's so much brokenness here. And again, back to the lie of shame and guilt, do not let the fact that the The lie that God cannot restore you, mm. heal you, yeah. um, bring wholeness to your relationships. Mm-hmm. You are not beyond his ability to um, heal and restore mm-hmm. because this lie has taken so much from us. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness.
1: Totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just... Um, the word that comes to me right now is like it's actually this whole conversation is very sobering. Mm. Yes. Um, and I think the trickiest part in American culture is that there are so many lies around us that we buy into and we're we're not even aware of it. Like that that like the, the deception is actually so mm-hmm. high. I think in other cultures the deception is lower. I think things are things are a little bit more obvious. And um And here's what I think we should ask.
0: Have you ever had an argument with God? So in the middle of these lies, you have the Holy Spirit always. And if you listen, if you're in tune with God's spirit, let me think think of something practical. You're at work and you see that person that looks kind of isolated, alone, lonely. And that voice comes to you, the Holy Spirit, and says, walk over there, ask how they're doing. And then the lie comes and goes, they wanna be left alone. I can tell by their body language, they do not want me to walk over there. And we start arguing with God's spirit. There it is, we're having an argument with God. Have you ever had an argument with God? You're tempted to look at that whatever Mm. and the Holy Spirit comes. The lie is already implanted You want to go, go, you know, it didn't, you haven't, it's been so long since you've looked at that. You kind of deserve it. What's the big deal? Yep. Or maybe it's a drink. You've gone so long without a drink. Yep. One drink can't hurt. And the Holy Spirit is like, no. And you have this argument with God. We argue, we argue with God. Mm hmm. And we, we want to believe this lie. Oh, maybe I can handle one drink. Whatever it is, whatever it is. Yeah. Have you ever had an argument with God? Dude, can we stop arguing? Brock, can you stop arguing with God and stop siding with the enemy? Hmm. He has stolen enough from you, Brock. Yep. And I, oh my gosh, this this podcast man preaches. These lies are killing us.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's let's let's end with this. I mean, it's such a good reminder for us to know the mission statement of Satan. And it's very, there's a verse about it. He's come to kill and destroy. Mm-hmm. I got a verse. I want oh. you to finish what you're saying, and then I want to read this verse. I just uh, looked it up. Yeah, so he's come to kill and destroy. And then Jesus says, But I come that they may have life. And so I think we often view God as kind of this. Judged with laws who tries to restrict us. Mm. And actually, it's the opposite. Satan is restricting us. Jesus is trying to yes. free us back to liberation. And then the, yes. only, the other thing I got in the bracket, take it away is on a very practical level. Um, so we have this amazing guy at our church named Alex, who literally is a professional cartoon drawer. Yeah. So he made a graphic on this very thing um, when Rachel preached this a couple weeks ago on the lies that we believe and then how to replace those lies with the truth of God. So if you haven't seen it, uh, I think it's on our social oh, it's media. It's so good, it is. And he drew it himself. Like yeah. he, he did it is amazing. So go check out that out, and a lot of people found that very helpful on a practical level. Brock, so
0: James chapter four. If uh, tune into this, James chapter four, starting in verse seven, seven to ten. James four seven to ten. This is in the message. This is what it says. Check this out. So let. So you're talking about these lies, and um, and here it is. Are you arguing with God? James four, seven. So let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him make himself scarce. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin, purify your inner life. Quit playing the field, hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious, really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get back on your feet. So good. Dude, come on. And I think that's the, let God do his, work his will out in you. Mm. Let, your, let him like animate you. Mm. Um, you aren't um, too far gone. There, there is hope. Mm. These lies are that, lies, man, and lies are designed to to steal. He comes, the enemy, the Satan comes to rob and steal, mm-hmm. and he does it through these lies. That's all he has. What's his native tongue? That's all he has. Yep. So instead of letting him work his will in you, let God work His will in you. Dude, come on! Amazing.
1: We're just gonna end on that. There's no better way to end it, folks. All right. We love you guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. Come on, let's do this. For episode, I think you You're going to have a baby soon. Well, I'm not. Well, well Rachel is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I will I have know. a baby. It's going to be crazy. Pray for me. I'll oh. need to sleep. Oh, three babies. God help them. All right, guys. Grace and peace.